Welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and a few years ago, I started a life and business coaching company with my bestie. I'm a wife, a business owner, a coach, a speaker, and the author of the book that inspired this podcast, She Who Overcomes, Rising Out of the Ashes of Your Circumstances. I'm also training to run my first half marathon. Oh, and did I mention I'm doing all of this while overcoming a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis? It's true. And hey, if I can rise up, so can you. Each week on this podcast, I'll be here to encourage and equip you with the skills you need to rise up as the successful overcomer you were designed to be. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Welcome back to the She Who Overcomes podcast. Guys, I am so excited to spend another week with you. And before I dive into a chapter of my book, because we're, we still have three chapters to get through in my book, uh, but before I do that, I kind of want to give a shout out to some of my listeners, because some of you have been sending in comments, you've been leaving reviews on iTunes or Stitcher, um, even on my website, and um, we've been having conversations on social media. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, for sharing your your experience with me of the insight that you're gaining, and even for sharing this with your sphere of influence. That means the world to me. So I want to give a shout out right now to Rita, Rita uh, left a comment on my website. She said that this was so amazing. And I think she was talking about episode nine, The Courage to Look Crazy, which that one was a story about cystic fibrosis and faith. She says, this was so amazing. Such good advice for anyone who is struggling with anything. Thanks for being courageous enough to be vulnerable and open about your challenge and your faith. You're so welcome, Rita. Thank you for taking the time to let me know how this... uh, podcast in general, and specifically that episode, has encouraged you. So thank you, Rita. Um, Also, let's see here. We have a review from Robin on Apple Podcasts. She said, did you ever run across just the right words when you needed them most? This podcast is just what I needed to hear. I can't wait to hear more of this amazing author's story. It's a reminder that every step of the way we were born to overcome. Thank you, Mandy, for sharing your voice with the world. This is just what I needed. You are so, so welcome, Robin. Um, Thank you for listening and thank you for getting the word out. And um, thank you to everybody who is listening and sharing with me. I know some of you have shared with me some topics that you want to talk about or hear about in the future. Um, Some of you have even said, hey, I would love to be a guest on your show. And so I want you to know that uh, starting in June and throughout the summer, we're going to have some guests on the show who are going to talk to to us about their experience of overcoming something in their life. And so I'm in the process of lining up those interviews, and I'm so, so excited. Some of them are... uh, people that are mentors of mine, uh, coaches of mine. Some of them are people that I have the honor of working with and coaching on their own journey. So they're clients of mine. Some of them are people that I just admire and have never worked with, but I love their story. And so um, if you know of somebody or you are somebody that has a story, has something in your life that you've overcome, and you know that you have a compelling way to share it, 
um, and a message that needs to get out there, go ahead and um, look me up on social media or come on over to bigbluecouchcoaching.com and leave me a message um, in the contact form. And we'll we'll see if we can get you lined up if you're uh, the the type of story that we're looking for. We have a we have an interview process that we're going to be starting for that. So um, just FYI, but we would love to hear from you. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so this week we are going back to um, the book, She Who Overcomes, and we're in the last section of the book. So the first two sections have been about persistence and courage. And the last section is all about redemption. And so, you know, this entire book was uh, encouraged or inspired, I should say, by what I read in the book of Revelation. And so I would really be leaving out a lot if I didn't talk about the topic of redemption. And so the the last three chapters are kind of putting that finishing touch on a season of my life that was really... Uh, really my biggest season of overcoming. It was when all of all of the ashes were taking place in my life. And so along with that, uh, I've learned some things and I've been uh, completely redeemed of some things. And so I want to share that with you. So we're going to dive in to a chapter called She Remembers Her First Love. And this is all about being redeemed of past mistakes. My ears popped and I sat my head against the headrest as the plane rose higher and higher in the sky. It was only three days after our apartment fire, and I found myself going through the motions of flying to a business conference in Orlando, Florida. I almost didn't go, but some close friends encouraged me to get away for a while and just try to enjoy myself. Apparently, I looked like I needed a break from the stress of my new reality. As the plane gained altitude, we flew over the ashes of the apartment building. I put my forehead against the cold window and felt a tear trickle down my cheek. It looked so small from 13,000 feet above the ground. I wondered how such a small building that disappeared when I placed my thumb on the window could be the burial place of all my belongings and cherished keepsakes. In the quiet of that moment, I heard some words dance across my heart over and over again. They kept repeating themselves in a melody, and I could hear a haunting piano tune swirling around them. I took out my pen, and I wrote some words to a song. It went like this. When the flames devour everything, And all I have is vanishing. Lord, you are enough. When the pain is welling up and faith is all I've got. Lord, you are enough. You can strip me of all I have. You can break me and put me back together again. In my weakness, I know you're here. And Lord, 
you will always be enough. Well, by the time the plane landed in Orlando, I not only heard that melody, but I could hear the entire song. I had not played piano for a few months, but I had this sense of urgency that I needed to find one. Well, as it turned out, the conference center I had arrived at just happened to have a baby grand piano hiding in a secluded hallway. So I sat down at the piano bench, I placed my fingers on the black and white keys, and I let the emotional weights fall off of me in the form of a brand new tune. It was a really healing moment. Overcomers know, in their darkest moments, that if they have God, then they have all that they need. They know that His love, His provision, His redemption, they're all enough. Yet, even with this deep knowledge, sometimes we must be reminded of what the heartbeat of our soul really is. We began our journey together in this She Who Overcomes book in Revelation 2, verses 7 through 11. And maybe you noticed that we actually skipped a letter at the beginning of Revelation, chapter 2. And the reason is simple and strategic. I didn't do it accidentally. I did it on purpose. Journeying through what it takes to persist and embrace courage is often easier than learning how to embrace God's love and redemption. But learning to embrace His love and redemption is just as important, if not more. So let's rewind our study for a moment and let God's words cover our hearts again with some important reminders and some warnings. Here's what Revelation says. I see what you've done, your hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? It's a Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. You do have this to your credit. You hate the Nicolaitan business. I hate it too. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'm about to call each conqueror to dinner. I'm spreading a banquet of tree of life fruit, a supper plucked from God's orchard. That is Revelation 2, verses 2 through 7 from the Message Version. The life of an overcomer is marked with the traces of extreme persistence and courage. God values that, as he states in these verses. And we have spent two-thirds of our time together uncovering what that looks like how it acts, what it speaks like in many different situations. Before we end our journey together, we've got to uncover one more important quality that all overcomers must embrace. And it's something that comes only from Jesus Christ. Redemption. 
Overcomers are not supposed to be do-it-yourselfers. In fact, one of the most important qualities that overcomers display is the ability to admit that they don't have it all figured out, that they need God and others to help them along the way. The words that define the essence of redemption include words like salvation, deliverance, atonement, and restitution. That's what Jesus has for all who overcome and trust in him. And sometimes overcomers must humble themselves and just admit that they need God to rescue them. But there's more. The words of Revelation 2-7 tell us that one of the rewards of being an overcomer is that we get to eat from the tree of life again. So let's rewind for a moment to the very beginning of time. When Adam was placed in the garden. So when I say we're rewinding to the beginning of time, we're rewinding to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of biblical time, the beginning of time on this earth if you believe in God's creation and the creation story. So when Adam was first placed in the garden, he had it right. Eve had this right. They were both able to eat from the tree of life. But after they chose to sin, this right was taken away. And if you want to learn more about that or hear the story, refresh your memory or hear it for the first time, go read Genesis 2, 9 through 3, 22 for the whole thing. So the beautiful thing about God is that he redeems our mistakes. He restores us even when we've messed up. And if you read it carefully, you'll discover that restoration happens when we overcome. How excited God must be when we become overcomers through his son, Jesus Christ. When we choose him, that's the reward, a restored invite to God's banquet table. So how do we get there? Well, in this letter to the church in Ephesus, we see that the people of this church have done a few things well, but they've also lost sight of one very important detail. So first, Let's see what they did right. Number one, they overcame laziness and an attitude of giving up. They were persistent and courageous. Revelation 2 verse 2 shows us that. Number two, they overcame evil. They did not tolerate wicked people or false prophets. We also see that in Revelation 2 too. But then they dropped the ball. In verse 4, we see that they not only forgot their first love, they abandoned him. After spending time devouring the first two sections of this book and the first several episodes of this podcast, we now know without a doubt that becoming an overcomer requires persistence. It demands hard work and courage. We've seen this and devoured it over the last eight chapters or nine episodes, 10 episodes, and being an overcomer also begs us to stand boldly for truth, especially when it's against those who do evil. These are all noble qualities. They're great qualities. There is nothing wrong with that. But these qualities alone don't determine whether we will overcome by God's standards. In fact, The words from this passage that bring shivers to my spine are the ones from verse 4. It says, Yet I hold this against you. 
You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That one hurts a bit. It forces me to stop and take inventory of my motives. It begs me to check my heart. So once upon a time on social media, I asked my friends to describe their first love in one word. And some of the words used were husband or mom, which was basically identifying the source of their first human love. Others used words such as exciting or patient, intoxicating, forever, sweet, wonderful, educating, even heartbreaking. And these words all describe the experience of that first human love that we carry with us forever, right? Well, my first real love, the one that made the biggest impact on my life, I gotta say, was probably not my first actual boyfriend, but rather a boy that I had known almost my entire life. In first grade, he made his friends hold me down on the playground while he planted a big kiss on my lips. Of course, I didn't appreciate this, not even a little bit. And I vowed that I would never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, ever in a million years like this boy, let alone date him. Never, ever, ever. And then I found myself falling for him during our senior year of high school. It was thrilling, intoxicating, all those things that a first love is. And in the end, it was also heartbreaking. It didn't end in the fairy tale way that I had dreamed it would at the tender age of 18. And the choices that we made on both sides of that relationship resulted in deep, deep pain for each of us. I spent years in denial of how I had really felt in that relationship and about the whole experience overall, how I even ended up in that relationship. And only recently has God opened the door to complete the healing in my heart for that and other relationships that were affected by that. You guys, not all first love experiences are colored with sunshine and rainbows and happily ever afters. They're not. I learned a lot from that experience. In fact, I learned a lot from every person I fell in love with, to be honest. And I've learned a lot through the years of how to heal from the deepest hurts. Because believe it or not, that relationship is not the one that hurt me the most. It was the one before that that hurt me the most. And you have to go through this process of healing from all of your hurts. And being redeemed of past mistakes is part of that. That's part of the process of healing from it. I've learned so much about falling in love And just reassessing all the things, all the relationships, all the times I fell in love in my life when I was super young, because falling in love with my husband was completely different. And we've been together now, gosh, we'll have our 17th wedding anniversary this summer. And so the start of our romance, I would best color that in words like exciting, patient, forgiving, And forever, it was full of all of those wonderful, exciting, and breathtaking moments 
that falling falling in love encompasses. And when my husband and I first started dating nearly 18 years ago, we couldn't wait to spend time together. We would often fall asleep on the phone talking to each other because we didn't want to hang up. We would talk for hours. We would go for walks and talk for hours with our fingers entwined, and we would dream about the future. We couldn't get enough of each other. And somehow I knew, even in those first initial months, that he would be in my life forever. I didn't, I didn't know that he would be my husband when we first met, but I had this feeling that he was just going to be in my life forever, whatever that looked like. And obviously, eventually we said, I do. And even through the years of hardship and chaos and pain, our love has endured. We have proven that not all loves end in heartbreak. So that's, that's my love life in a nutshell. There's so much more to it that I could go on and on and on for hours, but we're just going to stick to the script here of this chapter and move on. I'm sure I'll spill things I've learned later in other episodes, but when I read the words, remember your first love in Revelation chapter two, and I recall that the lover of my soul is Jesus Christ, I really got to stop and think, do I treat Jesus like I did when I first met him? Have I ever treated him with the adoration that I gave my husband during those first love years? Do I yearn to spend time with Jesus more than with anyone or anything else? I hate to admit it, but my answer to those questions is often no. Honestly, sometimes I avoid spending time with Jesus. I avoid spending time with God because it's less emotionally exhausting to tune out in front of my favorite television show. And many mornings I race through my time with God because I overslept and my earthly responsibilities are beckoning me or I just don't want to. It's as though I'm rushing out the door yelling, sorry, Jesus, not today. I love you, though. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for always being there for me. I'll catch you later when I've got nothing better to do. Ugh. Ouch. Not my best moments. And according to this scripture, if I'm courageous, hardworking, if I stand for truth and I never give up until I repent for forgetting and abandoning my first love, I'm not really an overcomer. You guys, that does not sit well with me. It doesn't. We may not share the same faith, but you got to know my faith in God, my love for Jesus, my relationship with him is everything to me. I'm not going to push that on you, but that's everything to me. And when I realize that that might be how I'm acting, it doesn't sit well with me. And chances are, if we share the same faith and you might reach a similar realization, it won't sit well with you either. But think about it for a moment. When was the last time you really spent quality time with the lover of your soul? When you first met Jesus, how did he capture your heart? What music brought you closer to him? How did he make you feel? 
The process of reminiscing about our love for Jesus is the same process as reminiscing about the first days of a love with our spouse. Answering those questions and taking the time to stroll down memory lane reminds us why we fell in love and how much we have grown and overcome together since then. It's an important process, not just for a marriage, but for remembering the one true lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. And if I'm honest with you, this is an area that I'm still growing in. I don't have it all figured out. And my understanding of this process is still so small. Yet, I've been called to share it with you because of its importance in the journey that all overcomers must take. However, what I can tell you is what it looks like when you've forgotten your first love and how that affects every area of your life. You see, in my experience, the the years where I forgot my first love the most were the years where I was bored and unhappy. Nate and I were living more like roommates because somehow we had forgotten to show our love to each other. It's quite ironic to me now that my marriage reflected the spiritual health of my heart because the more I neglected to show love to Nate, the further I got from showing love to God and receiving his love for me. My identity was confused at best and messed up at worst. I tried feeling that emptiness and that longing with watching television or performing better. And if I'm honest, I probably flirted with other guys even though I was married. In fact, I know that I did. And I not necessarily meant to, but I was just lacking that love. And I'm not proud of those years. They almost cost me my marriage and so much more. But I am thankful for them. They taught me how to recognize when I am neglecting my marriage as well as my first love, Jesus. So right now you're probably thinking to yourself, Mandy, this might make sense, but how exactly do you know if you've forgotten your first love? And for those of you, if you're still listening and we don't have the same faith and you're thinking, I don't even know how this applies to me. Well, this is also a way to tell uh, if your confidence is low. It's, it's also a way to tell where you're at in your self-perception. So I want to share with you some of these tips of how you can know, how you can assess where you're at in life, whether it's assessing, have I forgotten my first love or assessing, you know, if we don't have the same faith, assessing how, how do I feel about myself, about my life, my circumstances, where I'm at right now. So when we spend time with the people we love, we often become like them. We begin to say the same things and we even adopt similar thought patterns. It's the same thing when we spend time with Jesus. There are many character traits and behaviors that give us clues that our heart is off track and our relationship with him is waning. So here's a look at several of them. Number one, comparisons and low self-esteem. Anytime we begin to compare ourselves to others and our self-esteem feels depleted, it's a sign we have begun the process of forgetting our first love. Our approval should only come from Jesus. And when we look to others to find it, our relationship with him is in dire need of rescue. Number two, discontentment and boredom. 
When we abide in the love of Jesus, life is anything but boring. He is the source of happiness and joy. And oh my gosh, what a rush it is to be on this journey that he designed for us. But when we begin to feel discontented, unhappy as can be, and bored out of our minds, chances are we have lost track of our relationship with him. Number three, unforgiveness and holding grudges. Jesus is the very essence of forgiveness. His redemption is offered to us through forgiveness and grace. When we hold grudges against others or ourselves, and we refuse to forgive them for the hurts they've caused us, we're neglecting our first love. We must embrace our first love again, ask Him to forgive us, and forgive ourselves and others as well. Number four, being easily offended. When our focus is on the opinions of others, it's no longer on Jesus. Offense happens when we worry more about what others think of us than what Jesus thinks and says about us. Number five, lack of spiritual food, which is basically lack of spending time in the Bible. When we refuse to read God's word and our Bibles collect dust or our Bible app hasn't even been opened in months— that's when we know we are spiritually starved. God's word is the love letter that our soul desperately longs for. When we refuse to open it, it's as though we have sent his letters back, stamped with the words, return to sender. How heartbreaking that must be for the lover of our soul. Number six, excessive loneliness. When we feel lonely, We've chosen to look at our circumstances through the wrong lens. Loneliness is an invitation to spend more time with Jesus. When we refuse to do so, that loneliness eats us up inside. Number seven, self-centeredness. When we make everything all about us, we take our eyes off of Jesus, plain and simple. The more we focus on our wants, our letdowns, our sadness, our pain— the less we can see his love for us. Think about it. Do you like spending time with someone who always makes the conversation about them? It's the same with Jesus. When we are self-centered, we have forgotten our first love and we need to return to him so our pride can be diminished. Number eight, speaking negatively about yourself and others. When we abide in the love of Jesus, his fruit naturally comes out of us. We don't even have to try. It just happens. We begin to love others. We begin to learn how to edify and uplift others with our words. We also learn how to encourage ourselves and build ourselves up with our own words. A negative gossiping tongue is one that has forgotten its first love. Being judgmental is number nine. Love does not judge others. If we spend all of our time judging the way another person acts, speaks, and looks, then we are not spending enough time with Jesus. Period. You guys, the love of Jesus is a powerful love that redeems us of so many things, including our past mistakes. As we remember our first love and return to Him, He washes us clean. Our mistakes no longer hold us captive. Instead, they serve as a tool that helps shape us for God's glory. Getting back on track 
is often easier than we make it out to be. If you've identified with the warning signs of forgetting your first love and you're ready to get back on track, here are some simple action steps to take. Number one, repent by asking God to forgive you today. Plain and simple. Number two, receive his forgiveness. Let him redeem your mistakes and make a vow to get back on track. Number three, spend time in God's word and journal the conversations that you have with him. Listen quietly for his voice. Number four, listen to podcast sermons or worship music that encourages you. These are all things that I do. In fact, for years, I have labeled every single journal of mine letters to God. I'm up to letters to God number 24 since starting journaling again right after the fire. And so that's just what I do. And am I always writing letters to him? No, but I am having this continual conversation with him. You might think I'm crazy. I don't care. That's just how I am. It's, it's just what I do. And sometimes I feel him answering me. And so I'll write that down. I listen quietly for his voice and I write down the words that he gives me because it matters. A true overcomer pays attention to the warning signs and always remembers her first love. And this love is not your high school kind of love. It's not the kind that risks creating heartache and pain, most likely to be stuffed away in baggage and carried around for years to come because we haven't dealt with it. No, that's not this love. Jesus' love is different. It's a forever kind of love that mends and heals and stretches and reaches those deepest places in your heart like no other love can. When you're lonely, His love is what fills you up. Do you know His love? Have you ever known His love? If you have, you'll feel the ache of it when you neglect it. If you listen closely, Jesus is speaking to your heart right now. I believe it. And he's begging you to return to him or possibly come to him for the very first time ever. Won't you answer his invitation today? Remember your first love, your heart's one true desire, and run to him today. When you have seasons of suffering, remember your first love. Receive his redemption in those moments. When you're trapped in the grasp of idolatry, remember your first love. Receive his redemption in those moments. When you're experiencing the Jezzies, remember your first love. Receive his redemption in those moments. When you feel like your purpose is lost, remember your first love. Receive his redemption in those moments. When you're afraid, When you're weary and your strength is gone and your faith feels frail, remember your first love. Receive his redemption in those moments. A true overcomer recognizes the need for repentance, not just persistence and courage. It's time to humble ourselves and dig deeper. It's time to become true overcomers so that we can sit at God's banquet table and enjoy what he can't wait to give us. I encourage you today to take a moment to remember what it was like when you first met Jesus, when he first melted your heart and swept you off your feet. Remind yourself and then 
ask for forgiveness. Every time your spirit feels dry and parched, remember your first love. Abandon yourself to this love today. When I was on that plane where I wrote that song, that's all I knew in those moments was that the only thing that mattered was that even though I no longer had all my stuff, even though I was homeless but sheltered, I still had Jesus. And even though the road ahead was rocky, and I hit rock bottom several times, through it all, I still had Jesus. A she who overcomes always remembers her first love. We will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to BigBlueCouchCoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under Big Blue Couch Coaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.